The Medicare annual election period deadline is coming soon. I'm Meredith Vieira, here with examples of people who found the key to the right coverage at MyHealthPolicy.com. Meet Larry. He likes doing things online. I took my time and found the best Medicare Advantage plan for me at MyHealthPolicy.com. Next is Mary. When she wanted answers, she picked up the phone. I wanted a local perspective on plan, so I called MyHealthPolicy.com. And finally, Michael. I prefer face-to-face, so I chose MyHealthPolicy.com and enrolled on the spot. Go to MyHealthPolicy.com to learn about top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including $0 premium plans, or call 1-800-GO-START. That's 1-800-GO-START. MyHealthPolicy.com. Meredith Vieira is a paid endorser. KF Agency operates MyHealthPolicy.com, not connected with or endorsed by the U.S. government or the federal Medicare program. A licensed insurance agent may call. Welcome and thank you for joining us today. You're listening to Society Bites Radio and I'm your host, Dr. Richard Himmer. And I'm Sherry Himmer and this is Authentically You, social interaction for the mind and soul. For the next 25 minutes, we'll talk about healing and growth from the inside out. Remember, you are 100% responsible for your happiness, joy, and well-being. So just before we came on the air, we were kind of uh, kicking around where we're going to go here. Um, We want to rehearse actually the last three segments because this is an ongoing dialogue about human behavior, traits, um, how we even, why we behave the way we behave, can it be addressed, and are we really stuck behind that's just the way I am? And we're really coming to there's so many things that we can work on. And that, yes, we can grow. We do not have to be stuck with things about ourselves that we don't like or that entrap us into patterns and relationships that don't work. So a couple of segments ago, and many times we've mentioned these eight false sabotaging narratives. I'd like to suggest that every single one of them is addressable. There is no absolute. There's no personality that says I have no worth. There's no personality that says I'm not good enough, it's my fault, or I'm not lovable. Right. That has nothing to do with it. That's a trait and a be and or a behavior and a belief based upon experiences that can be changed and remolded and right. redefined. So experiences are just that. It's something happened. How you interpret that experience decides what your belief is. So when I'm two years old and my father leaves me. I interpreted that at a two-year-old's level, subconsciously, not cognitively. That's why my argument with these engineers types who suppress their feelings are not connecting with what's going on down there. And they will, and we'll show this in the paradox today, they will be controlled by that false narrative. And they're the only ones oftentimes who don't see that they're the ones being controlled by that emotion even though they think that emotions are weak or they act like that. That's just not true. Emotions are 90% of who you are. You might as well go ahead and marry it up, get to the altar, take your vows and go (laughs) ahead and, and, and be for better or for worse, 
Start integrating your upstairs and your downstairs self by understanding your paradoxical behaviors. That's a great place to start. Then you can work backwards into your experiences and processing them. Okay, so let's real quick. What's a personality versus a behavior or a trait? Well, personalities are things that we define as innate, and a trait is a behavior pattern that's come out through a set of beliefs based on experiences. So we talked about enjoyment performance theory. It simply means if you enjoy doing something, you do more of it, you get better at it, at it you get complimented, so you like to do it some more. So right? that's how you develop what becomes like a trait. It's something you've done so much, it becomes part of you. But if you don't like doing something, um, and this... I've been wanting to say this and I keep forgetting. Uh, someone li likes to derail me. Um, so public speaking, number one fear in the world. Well, not a lot of people get to public speak, right? So they don't like doing it. And when they do it, it doesn't go well. So they justify the fact that, see, I don't like public speaking because I'm not any good at it. Well, they don't like doing it, so they don't do it much. So they don't develop any skills. So when they do do it, they're more self-critical than other people more right. likely than not. So they've already told themselves a story that may or may not be true, and therefore they don't like to do it more. That'd be a classic example. Sure, works. But public speaking on my side, I hated it as a kid. My first public speaking, I started crying. I remember, I was like six or, no, I was eight years old. You did? Yeah, I started bawling. I just can't even imagine that. Well, you... my wife, and my, my wife, Your mom. eight years old. My mom and I had a big fight that morning. It was just brutal. And then I had to go give a, a speech, you know, to about, 150 to 200 people and it was hard and then you know over time and you remember over time I would have you and or Charles or Kyle or whatever I'd have you guys come in and and sit there as confederates and just tell me everything I did wrong because <laughs> you asked for the analytical I did side of it I needed my engineer's wife mine so the whole idea was that I, I liked to do it and I wanted to get better at it so I would work on it and I put energy into it. So I'm trying, to, you know, that's, that'd be a classic enjoyment performance theory yeah. from when I was young to when I was older. Okay, and then the last theory we talked about was paradox theory. So this would be where two apparently contradictory beliefs or traits, uh, traits are in fact complementary. We used tough and love, but when we ended our last segment, we were talking about the communication paradox. Right. So let's review again communication. So a paradox, remember, just to bring you up to speed, we've got picture a big box in front of you. And the box is divided into a quadrant. A grid. A grid. And you've got the one grid or the one box, two boxes, three boxes, four boxes. Top left is one. Top right is two. Bottom left is three. Bottom right is four. They all mean something. And we're going to break that apart now. So we're into the communication paradox, which has two uh, uh, traits. One is a dynamic, which is being frank with people. And that means the tendency to be straightforward, direct, to the point and forthright. And then the supportive trait is being diplomatic, which is the tendency to state things in a tactful manner. So this is where, like on the paradox, um, we think, well, oh, everybody's, you'd want to be both of those. Well, of course you'd want to be both. You wouldn't want to just be one or the other. But when we're talking about being diplomatic, people think it would be like you would be driven to be tactful rather than frank if you're only diplomatic. And so you need to kind of know how that works. Like you might 
only sugarcoat things rather than cut to the chase or say things honestly. So what happens here is that you're going to get a number. Remember, we, we mm -hmm. talked about scoring. It's a 210, <clears throat> a 210 scale. Just a second. With six being neutral. Now, what we're going to do is do an example, fictitious, and we're going to take the paradox apart. So the top right quadrant, number two. Right. Correct. That means you're going to score, let's say, a seven and a seven. So five is or seven and frank and seven, seven and diplomatic. And, right. So the quadrants divided, you know, in the five things. But remember, six is neutral. If I score up into the seven, seven, for example, I'm balanced and I'm versatile. So I'm going to be up in the top right or number two. Meaning you can be both frank and diplomatic. Yeah, one plus situations. one equals three now. Mm -hmm. All right. Now, if I'm, let's say, a three, three or a two, two. Low in both. Low in both. I don't have any skills. I'm zero. That's kind of like a, a low communication per skill person. Yeah, probably no affect either. But the yeah. point being that we don't have any diplomacy because we don't even have any frank. And in fact, that box avoids communication. But we call that balanced deficiency. So you're they're balanced, deficient in both. but they're deficient in both. So the number three box or quadrant, which would be the top left, would be really strong in the dynamic trait. Which is being frank. But really weak. And diplomacy. And strong and weak really aren't accurate, but they it, it illustrates the it's point. It's less. It's less of it the It means that I have guess. a higher preference to be frank, and I have a very low preference to be diplomatic. Right. It doesn't mean it's bad or good. We're looking for balance, remember. Mm -hmm. So it just means my preference. I might, and oh, boy, here's another thing. I might have a very low frank, but I can do it. So if you actually look at mine... Do you have mine? I think I have yours. What am I in Frank? Are you a five? I'm a five. I'm less than neutral. Yet I've learned how to do it. And my diplomatic is a six. Six. So I'm mm. kind of in the middle, which yeah. is interesting, right? Yeah, it is. You, on the other hand, are a six in that, and you're a four on diplomatic, and you fall into the category of blunt. Remember when I first did that? Of course I do. No. <laughs> so... <laughs> Sherry, Sherry, Sherry is a dynamic imbalance. Her preferred standard discussion or um, means of communicating with her husband is blunt. And do you remember when I did the debrief with you? I was in California. Yeah. He said, you ever wondered why I was so blunt with you? I said, I just thought you loved me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now, yeah. Now, I, I kind of want to go back to this, this whole communication style. So when you asked me to marry you, and I answered you, and I thought I was being frank, and you were confused. But in That's a way, a great point. It's, it really because it was also using. Wow. I was being diplomatic. I was too diplomatic. I wasn't very frank. You were. You I were. I could. You did not I say. All over you it. did not say. Will you marry me? Right. You said, I don't want to not be with you. I didn't use double negatives. What did you say? I said, I can't imagine not being with you the rest of my life. I'd okay. prefer to be with you the rest of my life. Something and I, to that and I said, without hesitation, the feelings are reciprocated. And it's gone down in the annals of the Himmer family. Right. Like, who, who in the world would say, say that? that? Well, uh, somebody who's trying to be frank and diplomatic. And analytical. <laughs> Can I just state my case? Yeah, you just stated it. Yes, Can I be well a little done. frank in stating my case that I was frank <laughs> and diplomatic? 
I think you were more analytical. It wasn't intuitive. You didn't figure no, out that this man very, on his knees is struggling. Not, he can't get was, the words out. I was not being analytical at that point. But, <laughs> I'm calling malarkey on okay, this one. But, okay, so a, a marriage proposal, high stakes conversation, right? Right, and I failed at it. No, you didn't, and neither did I. You serious? You think I did okay? I thought we did beautifully, oh. but I know you were left confused. Oh, my gosh. But how more clear can you be the, feel, the feelings... The feelings are reciprocated. I was saying yes. I'm the engineer type, remember? I'm the one I'm criticizing. I was scared to death of what was going on. And the next day, just to put in perspective here, <laughs> we were going to go shopping for rings, right? And I asked you, are we engaged? <laughs> and I said, yes. I know. I was so confused. I had so much to learn. Why on earth did you marry me? And then by the end of the week, you said, will you marry me? Did you say yes? I did, and I just said a good old plain old-fashioned yes. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so good. But the feelings really are reciprocated. It. I thought I was being absolutely who, clear. Who says that in a moment like that? Right? I don't know. And that's where when it gets high stakes, I start sounding like... Your dad. My dad, and very businesslike. Right. And his name was Frank. Frank. <laughs> and you moved to that Frank quadrant. Totally Frank. All right. So now we've got, um, oh, one more. Just the support give me a little credit being diplomatic in that moment. I'm appreciative of how you did it. And it was I think extremely tactful. Using the Harrison has really edified me in this story. I appreciate okay. that. So we've covered balance versatile, number two. We've covered balance deficiency, number three. We've covered the dynamic imbalance, the number one quadrant. Mm -hmm. And now we're going to go to what if you're totally diplomatic and, and not frank at all? You're going to be supportive imbalance. So what I want to be able to do is Which explain. Which means you're going to kind of sugarcoat things to try to sound nice and not maybe cut to the chase. Right. So let's let's talk about what does it look like if I'm balanced versatile. I'll categorize that as a great communicator. Mm -hmm. And so we have a description that explains what it means to be a great communicator. The tendency to be forthright and respectful at the same time. High and frank and high and diplomatic. That'd be ideal. That's one plus one equals three. Right. And that's what we're looking for in all 12 quadrants or paradoxes is how can we bring balance here? Now, if, however, I'm balance deficient, that'd be number three. So I'm poor in both. I'm a poor communicator. What do I look like? The tendency to lack the combination of frankness and diplomacy. Low in both, just avoiding communication pretty much. Yeah, exactly. And imagine, and I did have an executive like this. Um, he wants to take the assessment thing because of the training that we've gone through, but he literally was afraid to say anything. That would be a really problematic thing for someone who's in a leadership position. Right. And there was dynamics going on in the space, but because the, the situation was somewhat of a bully environment, somewhat of a very heavy handed environment until he could free himself of that heavy hand, he literally was restrained because it's behavior-based, not personality-based, it can change. And the situation has changed for him. He's found his voice. He's learning these communication skills. And I venture to say that if he's not balanced, versatile now, he's really close. That's we were to an take amazing story. And he was literally balanced efficient. And he was the president of the organization. Okay, now this is where it gets fun. We're going to go into predictive behavior. So what happens if I'm high on Frank, but I'm low on diplomatic? 
So we're going to fall into the number one quadrant. That is a dynamic imbalance. And this is what we already alluded to that is called blunt. What does the blunt? The tendency to be frank or direct without being sufficiently tactful or diplomatic. There's your balance. And so some people think, well, I was being nice, but it's sometimes even just the tone or the timing of how something is said. And going back to that conversation I had with the cop, um, he also hid behind the fact that he's very direct. No diplomacy. He says, that's just the way I am. Just the way I am is an addictive behavior to hide an underground truth. It is not your personality. No. That is a maladaptive behavior based upon false beliefs. You're not just a jerk all the time. So to say that I'm just frank, that's the way I am, is saying, okay, my addiction is being a jerk. So I'm an alcoholic, same thing, and an addiction is an addiction. You're medicating no matter how you look at it. You're basically saying, I'm an alcoholic, that's just the way I am. I can't do anything about it, I was born an alcoholic. That's not true. You might have tendencies or propensities. You might be predisposed for alcoholism. You might be predisposed to being a little bit frank. But it doesn't mean you can't balance that. Addiction is a disease of choice. Maladaptive communication behavior is a disease of choice. It's not your fault your parents were the way that you, you were introduced into the world with maladaptive parents, perhaps. But it is your responsibility to figure it out. So anytime you hide behind, that's the way I am, or that's too hard, or I can't do that, you know, and then since I'm on my soapbox, I'm going to continue. Overnight. <laughs> you do that, hon. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for being frank. <laughs> More than 90% of the people I deal with have anxiety. The whole world is nothing but an anxious ridden piece of work. You just hear so much about it everywhere that anxiety is really, I don't know, just shackling down our society right now where anxiety. It's rampant. Yeah. My argument is that anxiety and depression are addictions. Now, I want to research this. I want to show but this is my argument. Yeah, you're going to have a lot of people going, They won't like this. I, yeah, but remember, an addiction is a disease of choice. You can get out of it. No amount of drugs is going to cure you. It might medicate you for a while, but it's not going to cure you of anxiety and depression. What will? Okay, I'm going to put that one on hold. And so you're saying it's an addiction because... You're medicating when you go into anxiety. You're telling yourself stories that aren't true. But at the same token, it's an addiction because... It's through the way out is the same way. This way out of depression, anxiety is the same way out of an, addic an addiction. Right. You've got to do the work. And it's not the way you are. The clients that I have, I have a, oh, let me tell you this story real quick. I have a client who came in. The first day I met her, um, I was walking into my kitchen to get some water. And I asked her if she wanted water as I walked by and shook her hand. Her body language, she looked at me. She turned her body sideways. And then she bent over, cowering, and said no. Her whole body language looked like she was in pain. And you know the type I'm talking about. I've seen it, yes. Yeah. So I realized, okay, I've got a pretty interesting situation on my hand. I pulled out my anxiety protocol. And we started going down anxiety protocol. We got to the very first one, and her body language said, oh, no, I'm not going here. And it was caffeine. So would you... Describe just since you mentioned it, the anxiety protocol of what you use in your We did office. this. Um, my last segment with Ruth was on the anxiety protocol. And it was we just talked a little bit about um, how do you overcome anxiety and what are some steps. And it comes from Dr. Gottfried's book as well. Let me grab it real quick. And I'll have it handy right now. 
So, but it's basically addressing issues with sleep and diet. Sleep, diet, and a number of other things. And, and I have a system to go through. But the first thing we talked about was the caffeine. I said, by any chance, do you drink caffeine? She mm -hmm. goes, well, yeah. And I said, okay, well, what do you do? And she goes, well, I drink Diet Coke. And I said, okay, well, how much do you drink? She says, well, a lot. Okay, when do you start? Breakfast, 7.30, oh. all day long. Wow. I said, all right, that's all we're working on. We're just talking about caffeine. So what would it look like if you didn't drink caffeine? She goes, oh, I can't do that. I just can't do that. I said, all right, could you get to noon? She goes, there was a, a pause. And she said, eyes were you know, going back and forth. Yeah, I can go to noon. Now I have everybody keep an awareness journal. Mm -hmm. So I'm tracking this every day. I'm tracking this for her. The first week was pretty rough, but she got to noon. The second week she came in, she says, I can do this. I know I can do this. So she said, I'm doing it completely. And so because of her awareness journal, she started paying attention to her feelings. Within three weeks of time, she was not drinking any Diet Coke in the morning. Within five weeks of time, she was going places with her children without her husband. She was driving without her husband. So that was something she couldn't do before because she was so anxious driven. So anxious driven. All we did, well, all we did, we first cut out the caffeine. Remember, anxiety is an addiction, which is a disease of choice. It's how she was medicating. She was telling herself stories that wasn't true. I'm just frank. That's the way I am. You no, know, you're not just the way you are. You know what else you're uncovering in this story? is that this was truly an, also an exogenous addiction. And we're going like, what? You're talking about Diet Coke? Yeah. Absolutely. Like it altered her emotional possibilities in her life. Absolutely. Because of Diet But it was Coke. Bo both. It was both an exogenous and an endogenous. So what happened in her space was that she was unable to get past it because mm -hmm. she said, that's just the way I am. My mm -hmm. mom's this way, my sisters are this way, my grandma was this way, my grandpa was this way. So we hide behind these generational transfers of maladaptive behavior when we don't have to. What I think this is doing is it's allowing you the freedom, the ability to move to a balanced position. Okay, so um, let's, now we, we need, we have a, couple minutes left. We need to unzip a little bit of what happens here. And then in the next segment, we'll do the case studies. Okay. <laughs> so back to the communication paradox. Now, here's what happens. Let's say we, we pull ourselves into a supportive imbalance um, and we cover okay. that, right? We cover both avoids communication. So this is, we already, yeah. Okay. Now what we want to do is say, we're going back to the dynamic imbalance. If I'm dynamically imbalanced, that means I'm going to be in my normal position. My normal communication is blunt, blunt. But what happens if I'm under situational stress? When I move to situational stress, I'm going to flip or what we call fight or flight. And when I flip and go to fight or flight, I'm going to behave in a way that's different than what I'm already doing. And this is where the Harrison can predict behavior because you're going to flip to another quadrant. Exactly. So if you're dynamic and balanced, you're gonna to flip to? If I'm a dynamic imbalance, I'll flip to the supportive side. So not every time, but this is the- Which is actually evasive. I'm gonna to go to evasive. And that's the tendency to be tactful without being sufficiently direct. So you're gonna say, that's all right, it's okay. 
but you're really wanting to say something. Okay, let's let's take me for example. Okay. If I'm overly um, balanced, imbalanced on the frank, and I'm pretty always telling you what to do, but I flip, would that not be a man cave type behavior? Right. Okay. The, I'm the one that actually has this on my Harrison. Oh, you do. Now I'm, I tend to be more blunt. Okay. And, and so let I me read the narrative so it makes I'll it sense. Be super nice. So you're generally forthright in your communication, <laughs> but you may tend to be communicate bluntly. Yeah, a little. The style of communication may at times generate some discord and communication problems. Does it? Yeah, I'm not done. You're still, we're still analyzing you. <laughs> okay. It could also, uh, then it gets into the business section of it about employees. You know, someone like this um, could lead to increased employee turnover, decreased teamwork and lower productivity because of the bluntness. You're not balanced. Remember, people leave bosses. They don't leave companies. Um, your preferred behavior is mostly in the blunt and to a lesser degree forthright, meaning good communicating. So you do have some overlap, but we haven't had a chance to talk about it. Mm -hmm. There's a range of behavior right. here and that range of behavior will cover it. So we need to so wrap my this up. Kind of, it's in that dynamic imbalance quadrant, but it's close to the center of all of them. You're mostly in blunt, but you do take in all of them. Right. But what happens when you under situational stress and there'll be a hurricane on the, the mapping here, it'll, it'll show it. The small dark circle in the lower right means in the evasive quadrant indicates that you may occasionally use frankness to divert attention from yourself when you feel uncomfortable or vulnerable. You see, so it's not necessarily being evasive. You're going to be frank in moving it away from you. Then you're going to evasive. But that's predictable. The tendency will be to go to that. In the next segment, we're going to start unzipping your pre preferential behaviors and show how these preferences and behavior can map you into a paradoxical um, quadrant that helps me, especially from a coaching perspective, work with couples, work with executives, and build teams. And now I'm, I'm, I'm doing some training with three companies on their sales teams. Why? I can use the quadrants to help build them to bring balance into the, how they communicate with prospects, developing their, their script, etc. So summary real quick and by the way the next segment we're going to go deeper into this in case studies so paradoxes what appears to be contradictory is in fact complementary and we just talked about a little bit on our frank and our diplomatic side even our marriage alleged proposal that i had to figure out on which i two. think was the most perfect and beautiful responses and questions that we could have asked each Thanks, other Ray. We don't have to be the script of everybody else. So thank you, everyone, for listening. We sure appreciate it. We look forward to, to picking this up in our next segment, and we wish you all the best. Take care now. Doubt is a broken record that plays inside my head. I try to turn it down, but I can't quite drown it out. I'm tortured every day. These never-ending worries pulling on my sleeve. So many times now I was The Medicare annual election period deadline is coming soon. I'm Meredith Vieira, here with examples of people who found the key to the right coverage at MyHealthPolicy.com. Meet Larry. He likes doing things online. I took my time and found the best Medicare Advantage plan for me at MyHealthPolicy.com. Next is Mary. When she wanted answers, she picked up the phone. 
I wanted a local perspective on plans, so I called MyHealthPolicy.com. And finally, Michael. I prefer face-to-face, so I chose MyHealthPolicy.com and enrolled on the spot. Go to MyHealthPolicy.com to learn about top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including $0 premium plans, or call 1-800-GO-START. That's 1-800-GO-START. MyHealthPolicy.com. Meredith Vieira is a paid endorser. KF Agency operates MyHealthPolicy.com, not connected with or endorsed by the U.S. government or the federal Medicare program. A licensed insurance agent may call. The Medicare annual election period deadline is almost here. I'm Meredith Vieira, here with examples of people who started their search for coverage at MyHealthPolicy.com. Meet Larry. He likes doing things online, so he started at MyHealthPolicy.com. I took my time and found the coverage I was looking for, and done. Next is Mary. When she wanted answers, she picked up the phone. I wanted a local perspective on plans, so I called MyHealthPolicy.com and done. Switched to a better plan. And Michael. I met with a local licensed insurance agent face-to-face and done. Go to MyHealthPolicy.com to compare top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including $0 premium plans, or call 1-800-GO-START. That's 1-800-GO-START. Meredith Vieira is a paid endorser. KF Agency operates MyHealthPolicy.com, not connected with or endorsed by the U.S. government or the federal Medicare program. A licensed insurance agent may call.